Welcome to the Landscaping Podcast. My name is Joel Barnett and I'm your host. And today's episode is the first one after we finish the garden show build. So this will come out on the Thursday, which is in a couple of days after recording this. And I've got going to go through the questions I sent through that I was supposed to do on Sunday. So if you've got any questions, chuck them in down the bottom. I can't do it on it, the uh, Landscaping Podcast page as well because I'm using the phone to read the questions because I haven't had time to write them down because I only just walked in the door. The first question was from Paul Pritchard Landscaping, and he said, any chance of getting that Spanish moss? So I ended up having some left over, but uh, but it was too late. But uh, sorry for that, Paul. But I'm sure I haven't seen a lot of the gardens yet, but I'm sure it looks stunning from what I saw uh, during the build. And our next question is from Will Barrow and Stone. So he gave us a chop out for today, which was very much appreciated because it was pretty handy. Uh, what do we think of the mitered corners on decks? Here in New Zealand, they all blow out and look shit yeah that can happen as well um whatever you're using for them on timber even i've seen some composite decking moves but that could be to do with the frame um but you've got to go really over the top if you don't want it to move like use a biscuit joiner and a special wood glue for it um they do look good when they're done well but but yeah like you say you can even the cuts don't look perfect and then the timber even the timber expands and contracts so um there's there's other ways to do it they might not look quite as fancy as a as a miter, but there's still good ways to to do the joins on the timber with, uh, and then alternating the way that the the boards go, which is a bit of a pattern. So there's different ways to do it. So you don't have to always do miters, but they they do look nice. Um, Clint Adams from Very Clint said, "What are your top three tips for anyone looking at building at Mifkus in 2024?" I would say to start planning now. So I I was looking at doing it. Uh, last year, after at, like at the garden show, I decided that's when I want to do it. Um, so I was looking at plants that are looking good then because it's hard to know. Like there's there's only a limited number of plants that look good uh, in the uh, early to mid part of autumn. So I was taking notes of what plants were looking good, and then I was yeah, some of them look good now that looked good at the same time last year, but the weather's always different, so some of them didn't look any good. And I couldn't use so. Uh, yeah, start planning as soon as possible. Start organising sponsorship. That's the most important part to save you a lot of money. I was lucky to have some, a heap of good sponsors on um, who helped you out with that. Um, and you can also uh, look into growing your plants. So uh, we worked with Chartwell Nurseries and they grew a lot of plants from six-inch pots into, um, uh, I don't even know what the inches are, eight, eights and tens. So they were, yeah, potting up for us, which made a massive difference. And I also bought some plants in 16-inch pots and then grew, potted them up into 25-centimetre pots. So uh, they were filling out that, like they were overflowing by the time the garden show came around. So did you want to have – and the, the more, the bigger plants you've got, the less you need. So it's quicker to put them in, quicker to take them out. Doesn't do not spend as much money. Um, but, yeah, definitely planning is the is the key and, and building as much as you can beforehand. Um, and start saving. So they, they're probably my three three tips because uh, it does cost a lot of money depending on the garden you build. So some people don't go stupidly extravagant as what I did, but um, but yet, you know, do what you want to do because um, it's not something you're going to do every year. So that's why we kind of went all out on it. And it's got to change over to the install gardens page and see the questions there. Luckily, you can still go back into your archives and see. The questions. It's just not easy for me to talk and move my thumbs at the same time. 
uh, designed for our warrior said what's pleaching what's pleaching grows quickly bug free and not evasive roots uh, i reckon probably a pear ornamental pear would be i don't know how invasive their roots are i don't think they're that too crazy um ficus obviously goes pretty quick but that but if like if the, if ficus is uh, looked after their roots don't go too crazy but um but yeah probably an ornamental pair would be would be one out of the box that i first thought of when you asked that question and joshua herod said with rising interest rates what area of landscape would you focus on if you could only choose one uh well if it's not related to the interest rates like it's not if cost isn't a, a factor i would probably choose like paving um because you can make good money on that and i just enjoy doing it as well the body doesn't enjoy me doing it but i like doing it so we have that we have an argument occasionally but i always win luckily so yeah i'd like to do paving if that was if i could only do one thing uh, and if you're wanting to make do something that's very profitable you could do uh sort of soft landscaping um like just garden beds and plants but it gets a bit boring you want to do the whole the whole lot you don't want to just do one element of landscaping oh i don't want to anyway uh, Riley Cooper told me a line. He said, I'll come and ask you a question in person, but didn't come, come and tell me that. So no question from Riley. Uh, the plan to space. What would the boys say are your best and worst qualities as a boss? Uh, my worst quality would probably be lack of planning. Not I did a lot of planning for the garden show because um, you have to, but, um, yeah, I'm generally not very organised at all, so they'll rock up at the shed and not know where they're going that day and so that's what that's something i need to work on it's funny when i do sit down and plan things like for a week or for the next few days i think oh how good is this this is everyone knows what they're doing it all works pretty well every now and then something comes up and changes plans but generally it works pretty good but then um yeah i just don't end up planning again and then six months goes by and i haven't done anything so yeah probably the worst part would be lack of organization and the best part uh possibly who we get to work for i think so we work with some pretty cool designers and some pretty fancy gardens so and that's something that i've been working towards building the business towards so i'd say i assume that would be the best part of it but you'd have to ask them obviously uh, Matt york and bubbling design a beautiful show garden created mate congratulations likewise so uh, Matt's from down the Circos as well. Um, so there was four designers who live. So out of the nine show gardens, uh, there was four designers who live down in Geelong and the Circos. So more than any other area of the world. So that was pretty cool having all them there. Um, it was this one. Apologies, if I can't read properly because my mind is all frazzled. So apologies for getting this. I know I'll get the, the name wrong. Camarari Landscapes said, yeah, I can't read the question. Uh, how much money do you invest into a show garden? Uh, that's a kind of a how long is a piece of string um, question because you invest as much as you want, really. The good thing is if you're like you're the client, so... Uh, the budget is how much you want to spend on it. Um, so when I, I spoke to Charlie Albert about um, what on the on the episode with him, he was talking about building with, and I've forgotten her name as well as Kate Gould. 
And uh, he said that one of the gardens she built at Chelsea, she put $100,000 of her own money in as well as getting sponsors. Um, so I don't know if anyone would spend that much at, in Melbourne, but um, certainly there'd be plenty who would put north of 50 in there. Um, but you don't have to do that at all. You can do a pretty amazing design and really impactful and, and a great message behind it without going crazy on, on the money. Uh, my design costs more than average this year because a lot of it is going to my house when it's finished. So um, I'll be I'll be using a lot of it in my own house. So it's kind of I was getting it's a two for one deal. I was sort of pay, getting a discount on the price using it at the garden show, and then I'll be using it in my house as well. And I'll be promoting both of them because um, I'm going to you know, want to do a pretty good job on my own house and end up wanting to uh, promote that. So the who the suppliers who did that will get. Promotion at the show, and then I get promotion ongoing as well. So it works out for both of us. So I get a discounted price, and um, but yeah, but everyone would spend a different amount. Some people have got better relationships with um, suppliers, so they get more things donated or loaned to them. Um, but yeah, but I hate asking people for products if I don't use them. Uh, I've had that the first time I did one of these. I had that problem. I didn't like asking for them, and then I thought, and then it cost me a lot. So I thought next year I'll just ask, and if they, if they want to do it, they can say no. But then this year again, I didn't. I just didn't want to ask people who I didn't use because I felt bad. Um, but I did still ask some people who I didn't use, like Anston, and then they said yes. So I'll be using them a lot going forward to to reshow to repay the faith they showed in me by helping me out. So um, yeah, that's the good thing about getting sponsors. So you don't use a lot, you can, they can, um, you know, extend an olive branch and really support you in a massive way. And then, uh, yeah, you've got to repay the faith they showed in you. Um, McMullen Brothers said, how did you go about getting your builder's license and master landscaping? And do you think it's worth getting your builder's license? So definitely worth getting it because you can't do any work in conjunction with the building or renovation of a house over $10,000, like the, the work you do can't be over $10,000 if it's in conjunction with the building or renovation of a house if you're not licensed or work for someone who is. So even if you're just doing soft landscaping, you've got to do it, which is ridiculous, but they're the rules. Uh, a lot of people, like if you're, if the client has been living in the house and it's existing uh, landscaping and everything's all finished in the house and then they want to redo some work, then you can do that. That's where the grey area comes into it. So it's a bit stupid. You only need your building license if the work, if, if you get a permit or if it's um, a renovation or new build to the actual house. So, yeah, it's really, there's a lot of stupid rules about it, but uh, the best way to do it is get your building license. Then you don't have to worry about any of the stupid rules because you know that you're covered. So I did a um, two day course with the master builders. Uh, Association of Victoria. So that was in conjunction with Landscape in Victoria. They all helped organize that and teamed up together. And it was a pretty, it was really good because what they did was showed you everything you need to do, gave you all the templates to fill out and everything. And then uh, the second day of the course was maybe six weeks later. So during that time, you get all your information ready, send it to them, and then they review it. And then on the, uh, the second day of the course is when they go through it and say, you need to change this and this and put this here. Um, and then, then basically they tell you it's ready to submit. So, uh, that, yeah, that's how I did it. You hear a lot about, uh, there's a lot of 
courses online about people, like not so much online, but just courses of companies saying that they'll get you your building license. But I don't know if they're, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anything about them, but whether they're necessary. Because if you're qualified, then you can apply for your license. You don't need any extra for it. You just need as long as you've got enough experience, which if you're qualified and it, I think it might be three years, then you'll be able to get it. Um, just going down to the next question. This from Dan, who was on site the last couple of days with us from Revive Landscapes Living Walls. Have you turned into a duck yet? Surely you must be close by now. And as you can see, I'm reading these questions for the first time now. I've got no idea what he was talking about there. But oh, it could be, I don't think it was raining then. But I can confirm I'm not a duck yet. Shane O'Brien said, how many ice breaks has Dan Foreman been having a day at the show? I don't know if he's talking about ice coffee breaks or, uh, but it, I did see him probably more than more than anyone else individually. He did like wandering around and seeing what everyone was up to, which was good. That creates a great, uh, great morale having people like him at the show. And there, there's a rumor going around that when I did my styling, I used one of his uh, candles in my styling. So if uh, at, at the time of recording this, the um, results haven't been announced yet, but if I've done well, it would be purely because of the candle that Dan gave me. Next question from Ben Heyman, the garden keeper. He was also uh, at the show helping out uh, Charles, uh, no, helping out Jason Hodges. Has Graham or Ash offered any help at all? So he's talking about uh, Graham Rowe and Ashley James. And at the time of asking that, I hadn't even seen them and they'd been there for a couple of days, I think. Um, because yeah, so everyone's there going, working like mad. Uh, so you haven't got a lot of time to walk around chatting to people unless you're Dan Foreman. But most people don't have time to go and do that. Uh, so I haven't seen like any of the gardens really other than the ones I saw when I was walking out. So I'm looking forward to going in tomorrow to to walk around and have a look at all the gardens because you literally just head down, bum up, um, working like a maniac, and then it's either dark or or you just can to get home. So, yeah, and I haven't even really looked at my at our garden that much because you're just sort of working in it. Um, so... And then when we finished, we had to get off-site within half an hour after finishing. So we were just packing everything up, chucking it in the truck and getting out of there. And then we spent probably an hour back at the shed tonight unloading it all. Um, so next question is from Cam from Abcam Horticulture. Uh, what happens to your show garden once the show is over? So a lot of it, it goes back to the suppliers. So um, a lot of the plants especially, um, there's certain sculptures the the big um railway pinball we've got from uh the creek gallery that's going back to them um so a lot of it goes back like i mentioned before some of that i've bought so some of it will be going to my place uh, i'm going to be trying to sell as much as i can so i'll have a shop on my website which i've got to do tonight to set that up with uh mainly the plants will be on there and sort of and certain items that I've got. So the ball, the steel ball will be on there. Um uh the barbecue setup from outdoors domain, that'll be on there. 
Uh, so yeah, some of it gets sold, some of it gets thrown out. There's certain things like when we when you're tiling, uh, you don't want even though the public aren't going on the garden, the judges do. So you want to tile it properly and and grout it. So then they kind of destroyed. So some yeah, some stuff gets thrown out, but a lot of the timber gets recycled by BioGrow. Um, and yeah, and yeah, and some of the plants I bought myself. So I'll be looking to sell. Particularly those because there's a hell of a lot of plants that I had to buy. And I know that if I take them back to my shed, they'll just sit out the back of the shed and I'll water them for a little bit. And then, then they'll end up just dying because something will happen like the, uh, winter will come along and they'll either get frost or they'll get watered too much or watered not enough and that may just end up dying. So hopefully I can sell them. Now, Steve Nyland said, what's your preference with apprenticeships? Time based or competency based? Um, good question. Probably just time based because, uh, no, no, comedy competency based. Sorry, um, because all all the apprentices I've had have all finished earlier than you than you have to. So there's no point keeping it. Well, there is a point keeping on apprenticeship if that when they're when they're ready because you don't have to pay work cover for them. So there are benefits to to not signing them off early. So you could, if you think they're good enough, you can sign them off early and just increase their pay to what it would be, but keep them as an apprentice for as long as possible. Um, but I didn't tell you that. But yet, like some people, yeah, there's going to be people who do the full four years and are still no good at the end of it. But that, yeah, yeah, I'd definitely, I'd say competency based, and but you have to sign people off eventually. Uh, Sean Nullivon said. How do you keep weeds from coming through landscaping fabric under rocks without Roundup? So I don't use any landscaping fabric, like if if it's weed mat that you're referring to, um, because yeah, weeds grow on top of it anyway. So they're not necessarily coming through it; they're blowing in on top, and then like you see weeds growing up in gutters and between concrete. So there's nothing going to stop them growing where they want to grow. Um, and yeah, we've pulled up weed map before and it's just infested with weeds so and it, it's uh, it's not good for the soils not good for the plants around it there's literally no benefits to it so um the only way to keep on top of weeds is to pull them out as soon as you can and certainly don't let them flower yeah, because i think there's a saying like a uh, a year of seeds I can't remember what it is, but it's like something to do with if a flowers and goes to seed, then you'll get seven years of weeds because uh, the the seeds can go sit on top and they'll um, germinate straight away if some go a bit deeper. But so you just, yeah, they're not all coming straight away. So you're uh, constantly going to be working on them. But so just manually removing is the best way if you don't want to use Roundup. And the final question is from Ed Edia Landscapes. Uh, thoughts on Sydney companies having a crack at the Melbourne Garden Show? Yeah, I love it. Loving it the more the merrier and the the bigger variety of states and territories represented, the better. Uh, Mitch Kasturian from Exotic Living is there doing the, I think they're called the Balcony Gardens, the Raymond Health. I think they're the sponsor. So he was there. He was there. I left one night at, uh, I think it was about, 10.30 at night, and, like, there weren't a lot of people around, but he was still going, still chipping away on the stonework, so, and that and it was looking pretty cool. 
when I saw it this morning. So looking forward to see that one finished. And then, yeah, Charlie Albone is there from Sydney, and so there's a few people flew down. I think Brown and Graham is doing the Welcome Garden with Jason Hodges, and they're both from New South Wales. So I reckon, yeah, it's awesome. And then you've got Peter Donegan from Ireland, and then there's the four of us from Geelong as well. So there's, yeah, it's even though it's the Melbourne International Flower Garden Show, it's good to get people from areas outside. I know it was uh, Daniel Althaus was from Ballarat doing one of the achievable gardens. Um, yeah, just the, the bigger variety, the better. I don't see why you wouldn't do it. Uh, it it'll, I think it'll look good on your um, on your website if you, or even just saying that you've done done a job there. So uh, there's plenty there's plenty of ways you can get work out of it. Yeah, Abcam Horticulture has said the saying I was trying to come up with, which is one year of seeds, seven years of weeds. That's it. And Dan Foreman said, we are doing an interview Friday, 2 to 2.45 with Renee and myself, if anyone is coming in on Friday. Um, so, yeah, there's at the Welcome Garden, there's a lot of talks going on. And the um, the program that you'd usually get a paper program when you go to the garden show is now online. So if you head to the Melbourne Flower Show website, you'll, you'll be able to see the program before you turn up and you can see who's talking when. And obviously Friday at 2 o'clock will be the place to be. You'll have some laughs. Um, Because this is coming out on Thursday, so that works out pretty well. Um, But, yeah, that is the last question. Uh, Who's coming up? Oh, this episode 100 coming out next week. So that is uh, with Renata Fairhall. So that's a pretty cool chat. So she's just moved down to Torquay. And the episode currently out is Steve Dedrick from Endemic Environments. And I apologise because I called him Endemic Environmental. So I'll have to correct that now. But thank you very much for – thank you very much, everyone, who put in a question and asked during the live as well. And make sure you get to the Melbourne Flower Garden Show while it's on. Check out some of the amazing designs and – all the cool little knickknacks they've got selling around the outside as well. And so, and if you are there, come and say hello and I'll see you there.